One of the hardest and most hurtful, honestly, lessons that I've learned um, in my henna journey is that sometimes you can't take people with you. There are going to be times when you will outgrow people and places and spaces. And in today's episode, I'm sharing a story about how that showed up for me as I made the transition into a full-time artist with a henna boutique. And interestingly enough, this had nothing to do with the boutique at all. It actually came up in a festival setting of all places. Um, But it was one of the moments that really defined for me that if I was going to grow, I had to be willing to do so even if I didn't receive the support and validation of people who I thought would be in my corner. If this resonates with you at all, you're really going to enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Hennapreneur Podcast, the exclusive podcast of its kind, dedicated to giving you an honest look at the realities of making a living as a henna professional. I'm your host, Chelsea Stevenson, a tea-loving, shoe-collecting mother of three in constant search for the most poppin' pair of earrings and the perfect shade of red lipstick. I'm also a professional henna artist and business strategist who went from barely being able to piece together a fluid design to being the owner of the most celebrated henna boutique in my city. I'm on a mission to help henna professionals to harness their skills and grow vibrant, profitable businesses that they absolutely love. If you want to make more money with your art, you are definitely in the right place. Let's get to it. Hey, hey, Hennapreneurs. Welcome back to another episode of the Hennapreneur Podcast. Today, I am wanting to share a little story time with you. Is that okay? Can we do story time today? (laughs) Today, I want to talk to you about um, one of the kind of landmark experiences that I had um, inside of my business. And um, it was a marker for me in many different ways. When it actually happened, I I remember this was it happened actually early on in the entrepreneur's inception. Um, but for me, I'd been in business uh, for about seven years when this took place, and um, it was really it, it shook me, and it stuck with me. And as I look back over the past ten years of business. Um, This was one of the um, instances, this was one of the experiences that I had that really uh, changed the way that I looked at myself and looked at my business. And so I want to share with you guys about it because, um, because yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little bit vulnerable. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully I don't cry because uh, I have a tendency to do that when I go back to this place. But um, this is something that I experienced. So First, if you'll get into my time machine for a second, I want to take you back to my very first festival, okay? So when I started working with Henna, I started um, in rural Nebraska. I was in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, which if anyone knows anything about Nebraska, you know, (laughs) it is in the panhandle of the Nebraska state. And um, it's literally like it's this tiny town, like cows corn and you know like the tiny like 
towns that you see in movies of the Midwest where it's like everyone, you know, you drive down this one main street and everyone's like parked at an angle. And yeah, it's just like that. Okay. So if it gives you an idea of where I was when I first started working with Henna, I was not working in a community that was used to Henna. I was not working in a place where they knew what Henna was. Um, when I started offering Henna services, that was for many people, the first time that they'd seen Henna ever, um, or the first time that they'd seen Henna in person. And so it was a really interesting dynamic. And when I first started uh, my business, I, I started out... <laughs> I started out doing like small private appointments. Um, and I remember I heard that there was this festival that happened um, every year in Scottsbluff and it's called OT days. So if you're, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're a entrepreneur in the, in the Midwest, you probably have a like a version of this OT being Oregon trail. So Scottsbluff was one of the stops on the Oregon trail. So, okay. I'm, I'm not going to bore you guys with like American history, but, um, OT days is like the big festival that would take place in Scottsbluff. And so I did, uh, I, I heard about this and I thought, okay, I'm going to give, um, you know, Henna a first go in at the festival and we'll see what happens. Right. We'll see what, we'll see if it works. <laughs> and so, I remember going to this first festival and, and to give you some context, I had been working with Henna for less than a year at that point in time. So um, going to work at this festival was, first of all, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never worked a festival before. Um, I'd never attended this festival before. What I knew is that it had been around for like years and years. And so it was, I knew that it was a, a something that the community looked forward to hosting and having. And I knew that there was going to be a turnout, but I didn't have any way to gauge if they were going to be interested in Henna. And I certainly didn't know what it would take to like effectively have a Henna booth set up because I'd never done it before. And I'd never even seen one before. So I really was going off of this like blank slate sort of thing. And not only that, but in my business at that point in time, things were still very green, right? They were still very new. And so I didn't have, um, I didn't have booths set up. I didn't have gear. I had literally my, you know, my cooler bag with henna and, um, and that was it. I mean, I was working from my living room, so I didn't have a need to have the things that you have when you're working at festivals. And so um, I remember booking the festival and I, I couldn't even tell you what the, what the do was. I want to say, I don't, I want to say it was like $175 or something like that. And the re reason why I mentioned that is this was a significant investment for me. I had, I never done a festival before and I never had made, um, at that point I had not made uh, real heavy investments in my business. Um, at that point, what I had invested in was a like really pretty chair for my clients when they came to my home to get, you know, to receive their henna services. I had this really pretty chair and that, you know, cost me, I'm going to say it cost me like $80 or something, which for me at the time was a really big investment um, because I was a single parent, right? I was a single parent. It was just me and my kid. He was like 15, 18 months old, 15 months old, I want to say. Um, and so like he was really young. He was little and I, I didn't have a working budget. Like I had literally just up and moved from Virginia, from the East Coast all the way to Nebraska and then lost my job. Like I didn't have savings. I didn't have a bunch of resources. And so um, like many of you, when I started my Henna business, I was bootstrapping it and I was making do with what I had. And so I give you all that context because I want you to really have a clear understanding of what this looked like for me when I first started. 
And um, so I, you know, hear about this festival, I pay the dues, I'm freaking terrified, because what if people don't like henna, right? What if they think that it's weird, or they think that it's like, I don't know, like, they're, they're culturally, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the Midwest, um, that I don't even have time or the interest to get into here. But <laughs> I had some concerns about whether people would be receptive to henna at all. And, um, and at the same time, I was like, I'm willing to risk it because if it goes well, then I'll make back my 175 or whatever. Like I, this will be worth it. And so I remember going to the store because I didn't have a pop-up tent. And I didn't, honestly, I hadn't even thought about a pop-up tent until um, someone asked me, they said, you know, you'll have a 10 by 10 space. Um, do you, are you going to have a tent or whatever? And I was like, oh, like I, oh, I need a tent right? I didn't think about the fact that I'd be outside in the sun all day. Like these are the things I really was just learning as I went. And so I remember going to, going to the store and this, I remember a hundred percent. I bought this tent that I found it on sale. There was one left and it happened to be on clearance. It was 75 bucks. I bought the tent and I was like, my stomach was turning. I'm like, I don't have any more money. I've already paid a booth fee. Now I'm buying a tent. Where am I even going to put it in my tiny apartment? Like, what is this going to look like? I, like literally my thought was I'm going to take this tent, I'm going to use it. And then I'm going to return it after the festival. Like literally that was my thought process because I just knew, <laughs> I just knew that I needed it, but I didn't know that I was going to have, you know, I didn't know that I would actually make back my investment. And so, um, I did not have a table. I did not have chairs. I borrowed them. So I, I you know, I, I, uh, borrowed them from my mom actually from her, her employer had, like a training center. And so they had like six foot tables and chairs that they used when they were training their employees. And so I asked like, can I borrow one of the tables and chairs? So I borrowed a table, two metal chairs, um, wasn't dressed, like undressed tables. I like literally when I tell y'all, I put it together on a whim. I'm telling you it was, everything was as free as possible. You hear me? So even <laughs> <laughs> even down to how I, cause I was like, I knew that I was going to need a system. If people wanted to get henna, they needed to have some sort of idea of what they were getting. And so I went to the dollar store and got a poster board, you know, like the poster boards that kids use to make like, uh, you know, to do their science fair projects or whatever. And friends, I'm not talking about like the cardboard one, the threefold that stands up like the nice ones. No, I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about the flimsy big old poster board. Okay. And so I got one of those and I got some Sharpies. It was a black post. I'll never forget this. It was a black poster board and I got some metallic Sharpies. Cause I was like, Ooh, that way, you know, you can see it. <laughs> and it'll look kind of nice. Cause the top of my tent was black. So I was like, I'll just go with like a sleek black, whatever, look, whatever. And so, um, I've got this black, uh, black, uh, top on my tent. I've got this black poster board and I used silver and gold and bronze metallic Sharpie markers to create what was essentially a build your own design system. So what that looked like was it said henna. <laughs> okay. Very, very like, wow. Okay. So it said henna and it said step one, step two, step three, step one, choose your design. Step two, choose your location. Step three, choose your budget. That's it. So on this poster board, using the different color um, Sharpies on each corner, because it's obviously the four corners on each corner, I drew different uh, little like doodles. So I had like a flower over here. I had like something geometric over there. I had like a paisley over here and I couldn't even tell you what I, I think I had like a, a mandala. 
as the fourth one. So in each of the corners, I had these different styles. And so they had to pick which style they wanted. Then they would tell me where on the body they wanted it, if they wanted it on a hand or a foot or a shoulder or whatever. And then they would tell me their budget. And their budget, you know, I said, I will do anything from $15 or more. And so they could pick their, their budget and I would create something within that budgeted range. And y'all, I was so new to this. I couldn't have, I couldn't tell you what a $15 design was. Literally, I was just like, okay, for 15, I'll do something simple. Like, and I didn't, I, I was still learning. I was still very much learning. This was, when I say this was an imperfect system, it was so imperfect, but I did the best with what I had and I did the best with what I knew and I did the best that I possibly could. And let me tell you, that day changed my life in, this, in, the, in the, um, the, the way that I viewed my business because I remember working that Saturday at that festival and clearing what I would have made for two weeks of work at, at my job as a social worker. And so this is me using a very imperfect system and still getting results. I made it simple. I made it streamlined. I made it clean. I made it easy for my customers to understand. They loved it. I loved it. And I went home at the end of the night, you know, having cleared my four figures worth of revenue. And that was the first time that it, first of all, that was the first time I'd ever seen that much money in cash in my hands that was mine. And that uh, blew my mind. It changed the way that I uh, perceived what was possible for me moving forward. Um, but all of this to say, that's where I started. Okay. So I give you that context because I want you to understand that when I say that I started at the bottom, I mean that I feel that. And so I have a heart for entrepreneurs who are still out there starting from scratch, putting their stuff together. Like I know that struggle. If that's you right now, please understand where I'm at today. You can be here. Okay. Cause that's where I started too. So I'll leave you with that. Like I'll just toss that out there for you. But over the years, I gradually updated my booth, right? I gradually updated and, and made changes and whatever. I went full-time in 2014. Honestly, in 2014, if you saw pictures of my booth in 2014, it still looked <laughs> kind of sketch. Um, and all the way up through like 2017, 2018, I, I felt like my booth was, it started to come together. Um, I started to get more cohesive in its presentation. Um, but when I look back at it, like, I'm, I did the best I could with what I had. Um, so over the years I went, you know, I would collect saris or I would collect fabrics or I would collect other tapestries and things and try to make things at least match and whatnot. And around 2017, I had, um, my booth was like this black, white, and deep red color, uh, color scheme and like a maroon. And I had gold accents. So what I would do is I'd have this black and white, like tapestries that were hanging and whatever. And I had my black tablecloths and it just, it, it was what it was. Um, and that was the setup that I had when I entered this particular event. So <laughs> I joined this event um, as a vendor. And this is, this is a, a massive music festival. Actually, it is the largest free art and music festival in the U S. Um, it's one of the festivals that I service and I started it around then. And so when I came in, my, my booth looked like that, which was a major improvement from when I first started, but it also was like still very much on the up and up, right? There were things that I could have, like there were tears on my tapestries or there were things that like, I, I, did I feel proud of what I had? Yes, sure, because I knew that I'd worked hard to get that get there. 
And also I felt like there was space for me to grow. And so in 2019, I opened my brick and mortar. That's when I opened the Henna Boutique. And I decided at that point, if I'm going to have a brick and mortar, I need to double down on the positioning of my brand. My brand cannot be positioned as um, being like this, like hanky pank, like put together, like mod podge of stuff. Like that's not going to cut it. Um, not for my audience, not for the message that I want to send, um, the way that I want to position my brand, like that's not gonna, that's not gonna fly. And so, um, now I had this also very new and very real investment and expense, which was now I have a brick and mortar that I have to pay for. So I needed to be incredibly clear and inc incredibly streamlined. Um, and I needed to show up as the best version of myself inside of my business in every avenue. Um, to include when I was working festivals. So this new like motivation that I had um, to to grow my business in, a, in this new way or to you know to better uh, refine and finesse the the um, the aesthetic around it and all of that, it moved me to make some new decisions. And so as I was entering festival season, um, after having opened my brick and mortar, I decided that I was going to redesign my entire booth setup. So I bought new linens, I brought, you know, new dressings for the tables, I bought new chairs and setups, I bought new banners, I bought new signage, I bought like a new feather banner, all of these things, um, all of those things were, were replaced and renewed to match my brand's aesthetic. Um, if you, uh, well, <laughs> the majority of you are not local to me. If you were to see me out... <laughs> If you were to see me out at a festival, my color scheme is like this bright pink color. Um, and that same bright pink color is an accent color that I use at the Henna Boutique, which is primarily blue and peach. So um, even on the back end side of my website, and this is to give you like some real behind the scenes of what it what it takes to run a business the way that I do. Um, even on the back side of my website, um, depending on where someone meets me, if they meet me at an individual appointment or if they meet me at a, uh, a private party or a private event, they are um, displayed one version of the website. Whereas if they meet me at a festival, they're displayed another version of the website and that um, ties to the, the pink color. So I can tell where someone saw me based on some of those things that I have going on in the back end. So it's just very, um, this, and this comes down to other strategy. This is, there's a marketing strategy behind all of that, which we don't have time or space to get into today. But I share that with you to say, I, all of the things that I put together were done very, very intentionally. Okay. And so I redesign all of these, um, these things around my, my booth and my setup and whatnot. And I go back to work this event. Then at that point I had been working for three years um, and I had an issue. In fact, I had a, I had a massive issue. Um, and the issue wasn't me. The issue was the organizer. So the person who was responsible for the block where my booth was located had some concerns. Um, she had some very specific complaints actually, uh, about me and my booth. She complained that I had lost the handmade and artistic feel. Um, she complained that I no longer was the quote unquote henna homegirl um, and that I looked and acted more like a corporate mogul. Um, she said that basically, basically what I heard, the takeaway in no uncertain terms, the takeaway was that I was a sellout for my art. Like I was a sellout um, and that I no longer fit in. 
And as I, and she, I remember her coming over, she came over to my booth and she said, just look at your booth. Just look at it. Just look at it. And I was like, like what? <laughs> like, what is she pointing? What is she trying to point out? Because at this point, you know, I'd redone all of my, all of my things. I now had like this white top, um, all of my signs beautifully designed, bright pink, bright, you know, yellow, bright teal colors, very, very bright, very vibrant, very inviting. Um, I constantly receive uh, feedback from from guests at my festival booth saying how inviting and how comfortable it is and how it feels uh, for them to be there, which is exactly what I look for, right? Like we want our clients to have a great experience, whether they're meeting us at a coffee shop, meeting us at our henna boutique or meeting us at a festival. We want them to feel comfortable. So um, I always would get feedback about that. And since making those adjustments, I had had I had already done a number of festivals prior to this one that season. And the feedback was great. And so, um, when she called me, I was just like, just, and she, and she said, you know, come here, I want you to see something. And she walks me down the block and she said, just look at your, just look at your booth, just look at it. And then she says, and look at everyone else's. And I looked down and I realized what she was trying to say, because when I looked at my booth, what I, what I saw was a great sense of, um, pride in my work. I saw investment, uh, when she's, you know, just look at this, just look at this. What I saw was a whole lot of time, a whole lot of effort, and a whole lot of money that I had put into putting my best foot forward. And even down to the new banners that I had, um, which were one of her complaints, you know, this just looks so corporate. And I, I remember telling her, how can you say that it looks corporate? There's literally a picture of me <laughs> looking at the camera, right? So when you're viewing these banners, I'm looking you in the eye, smiling, saying, hey, my name's Chelsea. I'm the owner of Cardamom Clove Hedna, and I'm so excited to serve you today. Like, these are the different ways that we can connect on social media, et cetera. Like, there's a, even a personal message there because obviously I'm not, I'm, I'm not having those conversations with everyone who sees my booth. I'm doing the henna. My booth babe is having other conversations, but like there's even that opportunity for them to connect with me um, or to know who I am so they can see the owner of this business is the artist who's doing the work, right? And so I remember asking her that and she just like scoffed and like like rolls her eyes and whatever. And she said, yeah, you you no longer like the henna homegirl. You're like a corporate mogul. And um, and then when she had me look down the the rest of the block, I realized what she was, I realized what she was saying. And this, I say this with no shade because again, I shared with you where I started. I share with you how I started. I share with you even with my booth, what my booth looked like at the time when I first started doing that festival. It was not as put together as it was that year. And um, it took some very intentional shifts on my part to make my booth uh, present in the way that it now did. And, um, and so I say that, I say this with no judgment, but there was a clear distinction between my booth and the other booths that were there on my block. Um, the vendor that was sitting next to me, that was uh, located next to me, uh, didn't have chairs. She was literally sitting on the ground to sell her items. Um, further down, like tables undressed. Further down, there were people who were selling like some, you know, like some different garments, like and whatnot. And they had like wardrobe bags like tossed everywhere. Yeah, when I looked down the way, I'm like, you're right. We we do look different. Um, and she meant it though as a jab towards me, and she meant it as I had I, like I'd lost my artistic edge. I'd lost. I no longer look like an artist and maker like everyone else on the block. 
And I told her, <clears throat> everything about this I've made. Everything about this. Every image that's here on my banners, that's my work. You know that. Every, even the, even the layout of the banners, the way that the banners exist, I, I crafted those. I digitally put them together. I picked that image versus the other. I organized this. I picked, you know, this was all my creation and I'm proud of it. And um, it hurt my heart a lot. I'm so thankful, by the way, that I'm not crying right now because every <laughs> every time I, I go back to this place, I get really emotional. <clears throat> and today it seems to just be presenting as excitement, which I can work with. I can work with that. You guys don't want to hear me ugly, ugly cry on this mic, but this is something that <laughs> it really got me. It really got me because it was a call out at me and towards me, um, around my identity as an artist. Um, there was this air of like, you're like, again, like I was a sellout and, um, and again, it made it very clear to me that I no longer fit in. That's what she wanted me to take away. I no longer fit in. And it was hurtful. It was incredibly hurtful. I had worked really hard to make adjustments for my business, um, to thoughtfully design every update that was there um, and to raise the capital to fund the revamp. All of it, all of every change was a direct product of my very successful art and my very successful growing business. And the reason I share this story with y'all is because there are a number of hard takeaways that I experienced there that I want to kind of highlight for you. And I hope that you'll take from this some lessons for yourself or some reminders perhaps for yourself. You are going to reach a place in your business where you will outgrow people, places, and spaces. And you, the, the faster you become comfortable with that, the faster it's going to be and the easier it's going to be for you to make the decisions necessary as the CEO, as the founder, as the artist behind your business, behind your brand, to do what's necessary to reach your big audacious goals, okay? You have to be true to your goal. For me, my goal in my head in a business is not to be the most popular amongst event organizers. Sorry, but whether she feels that I'm an artist or not doesn't pay my bills, right? My goal is to be of service to my community with my art, using that art as my medium, and to build generational wealth for my family through a job well done. That's it. I want to empower the women of my community. I want to empower, uh, you know, those people who come and, and visit me for service. I want them to come and leave better than how they arrived. I want them to leave feeling seen and supported and heard and celebrated and that the art that I'm creating for them leaves an impact on them. Not because of the art itself, but because of the exchange that takes place between them and I, right? And on the flip side, I also want to be compensated for that in a way that makes sense. So I want to be able to use my art, to use my skill, to use my energy and my connection to build generational wealth for my children, something that I didn't have, something that I didn't grow up with, right? I want to be able to afford my kids opportunities that weren't afforded to me at no fault of my parents, 
right? But I have, I have the ability to make different choices. And so what sense does it make for me to prioritize being her favorite vendor and having her, her preferred aesthetic if her preferred aesthetic is going to cost me money in the long run? And if her preferred aesthetic doesn't tie to what my bigger goal is, even from a dollars and cents perspective, and this is where I say, I would leave money on the table. What do I look like? You know, I'm set up and my, my, my booth is like tossed together and whatnot versus the booth that comes off as very clean and crisp and professional and has their stuff in order. People will pay me more to show up with that particular presentation than they do if they have to question the legitimacy of my business in general when they come to see me. Can I tell you what's interesting about this? The complaint wasn't necessarily about the booth itself. The complaint was actually uh, rooted in when, if I you know, go back to that scenario, there were other conversations that took place throughout the course of that day or through the early morning and early afternoon hours before she and I had this exchange. And what it actually came down to was not what my booth looked like. It was the fact that she wanted my booth to be placed. My booth happened to be placed at the, my booth was placed at the corner, at the, the main corner of, um, of our, our, the entrance to our block. And so I had primary location. The reason I was given that primary location is because I was one of the most senior vendors on that block that year. And so because of that, I had priority. So I was placed at the entrance, at the mouth, if you will, of that block. She wanted my business, my booth to be moved to the back, to the end of the block. The reason for that was my booth generates the most or generated at that year <clears throat> and in past years generated the most interest. And so by placing my booth at the end of the block, it would benefit everyone else because the, the customers, the clients would have to pass all of the other vendors to, in order to get to me. So it was not even a matter of my booth was ugly or my booth was too corporate or my booth was whatever. I stood up for myself and said, no, I'm not going to, I'm no, I'm the senior vendor here. I'm not going to place my booth at the end of the block. My booth is going to be here at the front because I've earned that because I've been loyal to this event and I'm a, a you know, continued participant to this event and I'm not okay with being placed there. And it's not my job to drive traffic for everyone else. It's my job to drive traffic to my booth. That's why I'm here. That's why I paid my vendor fees, just like everyone else. And so everyone else is also responsible for having their businesses positioned in such a way that it attracts customer attention. Does that make sense? So even here, from again, from the dollars and cents perspective, I, I was losing money or I had, well, I was because I actually ended up moving my booth from the back to the front where it belonged. I was losing money because of this uh, exchange. And even if I were to look outside of just the, um, just that single experience, I was losing dollars. I was losing dollars and cents here, even as it relates to my focus on what I do in my business. My focus in my business is individual appointments and private events, not festival work. My goals are not centered around fitting into the starving artist mold that was um, hoped to be presented in this festival setting. Not a thing I was willing to do, right? So this person wanted me, she wanted for me to play small and she was willing to offend me and she was willing to, um, uh, to be unjust towards me, even in like the placement, right? <laughs> the placement of, of my booth um, so that 
I would fit better into this this narrative that she had or this this desire that she had. Um, and doing so, me agreeing to that would have been a betrayal to my own growth and it would have been a betrayal to my own goals, okay? That uh, incident, we'll call it, happened in 2019. So obviously 2020, that uh, festival didn't run. Uh, this year, 2021, that festival is also not scheduled. We anticipate that it will come back in 2022. I have every intention of participating in that festival again in 2022. Um, and also, I have zero intention of changing anything about my processes in order to do so because I am responsible to my goals and I'm not willing to allow someone else's wants or someone else's ideas or someone else's perspectives or someone else's, no, none of that. That cannot be um, placed as a priority over the goals that I have for myself and my business. And I, I am acutely aware that I won't be located on her block. <laughs> I won't be located on that block again. And it's not, you know, it's no love lost. It's not from a place of upset. It's not from a place of anger. It's not from a place of any of that. But we're just no longer aligned. And that was made very clear. And I cannot, and I will not, and this is where I, I hope that you hear me because perhaps you'll identify uh, a, a time and space where this is happening to you in your business right now too. I'm not willing to compromise on my goals and the actions that I need to take in order to meet those goals in order to make someone else comfortable, okay? So I wanna, I share that story with you and I wanna kind of open up the floor. Um, inside the Headpreneur community, we're gonna be talking about this, um, but I would love to know, are you right now honoring your goals or are you playing small to fit the mold that someone else has crafted for you? That's what I would like to know. If you find yourself in that place where you're like, no, like I really am, I, I'm playing small or I'm, I'm allowing someone else to dictate my next steps or I'm allowing someone else to tell me how and where and why and what it should look like when I show up. And I don't just mean at festivals, friends. I'm talking about how you do life, <laughs> okay? If that's you, can we dig into that a little? I'd love to leave you with that challenge. Are you honoring your goals? right now or are you playing small to fit the molds that someone else has crafted for you and friends if so at what expense at what expense are you doing that all right i'm gonna jump off of here and i will talk to you all later bye for now Hey friend, I just want to give you a quick thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hennapreneur podcast. And I hope that you're really enjoying connecting with me in this way. You can find links to all of the content shared today in the show notes located at hennapreneur.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show and would like to stay in the loop with Hennapreneur, be sure to subscribe to the podcast too. You'll get access to all of the new episodes and to surprise bonus episodes as soon as they're released. I'd be so grateful to you if you'd take a moment to rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. This helps me to reach more artists like you who would love and benefit from the show. For more ways to connect and work with me or to join me inside of the Hennapreneur community, pop over to hennapreneur.com. I can't wait to support you as you chase your big audacious goals, one henna design at a time.